From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. But I'm going to invite you to stand as we open up the Word, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to add a little extra reverence to hearing the Word this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 18, this is our key text for this series. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we'll talk about today, Lord, we believe it to be alive, that you speak to us through your word. And as we read your scripture, God, Lord, something happens in our spirits. And so I pray, God, that as even as we just read that scripture, that our faith would increase today. And we leave transformed, God. I pray that we would learn, God, to respect your word, your scriptures, your truth in a new way this morning. And we learn to wield it in a way that helps us in this struggle because we know, God, that there is a struggle. So be with us. Bless us, I pray. And Lord, if there's somebody here that's struggling today, God, maybe they have a situation going on, maybe a heavy heart. Lord, your invitation is to find rest in you. And so I pray that you lift that burden in Jesus' name. You provide as only you can, and you would show your great love and your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You can have a seat. Thank you. So we're in a series today called Not Today, Satan. And we have been going through this for a number of weeks, and we're actually on the last leg. Last, you could hear that drop, eh? Boop. We're on the last leg of this series today. We got a couple left. And this is a letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus. And he's giving through this whole letter to this church an alternate reading of reality. Right? He's trying to, 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 see, to help them see life in a new way and to live life in a new way. Some of you know that putting on the right set of glasses helps you see clearly. And if you have the wrong set on, or maybe you need glasses but you refuse to wear glasses... You can be handicapped in your sight. And you can actually get used to that, right? You can get used to not seeing clearly, but you are walking through life as a handicap. And so Paul, in a way, is trying to give the church the, the right set of glasses in which to view reality through the whole letter. And then he comes to this last section. He kind of pulls back the curtain on struggle, on battle. And he basically says, hey, what you see in your day-to-day struggles is not all there is. And so here's what we've talked about so far. Number one is we are at war. War exists in our world. There are 43 combat-related conflicts happening around the earth today. But greater still, I would argue, than the conflicts we see 
is a war that is deeper and spiritual and it's for our souls. Spiritual battle that takes place in the place that Paul calls the heavenly realms. A place beyond the physical where spiritual beings dwell, where Christ's throne sits. And Paul actually says earlier to the Ephesian church, he says where blessings are stored up for us. We are at war. Number two is we have a spiritual enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. And God's created order exists spiritual beings that were designed to administrate his rule and reign. Some rebelled and they attempted to take authority for themselves. We call them demons, demonic forces of evil, fallen angels battling against the forces of God. Their leader is the devil, the Satan. Jesus called him a murderer and the father of all lies. He said he prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. If you could get the image in your head of a lion, I don't know if you've ever been to a zoo and you see the lion stalking across the cage, just walking back and forth, staring. I went to a zoo once, and there was a lion there, and he wasn't so much stalking as he was just watching people. And it was really interesting, because if you looked at him, he would not look at people that looked healthy. He looked at young ones. And so we were talking to a zookeeper, and we said, hey, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, and, and he told us, he's like, what lions will actually do is they'll look for the weaker prey because they're easy targets. So that was interesting. But the, the devil, Jesus says, is like a lion looking for someone to destroy and to devour. Number three is this battle manifests itself in our struggles. Paul reveals to us that our day-to-day -day struggles as we attempt to live for Christ, as we attempt to, to seek to live after him, these struggles are not always just against flesh and blood. So it's not just your mama, your dad, it's not just your kids, it's not your coworkers, it's not just your boss. But he says behind that, there's an influence happening in spiritual warfare. It's fought in heavenly places, Paul says, but it's manifested in our daily struggles. Sidebar. Just, I mean, I step over here. Sidebar. The devil doesn't make you do anything. Okay? It's not, it's not the devil's fault. You are responsible for your own choices. You are accountable for your own actions. Sometimes the devil isn't even involved. You're just making silly choices. This is like the parent talk to the child, right? <laughs> you, you have a, in you a nature that is bent towards wrongdoing. It's called sinful nature or our flesh. And the enemy will influence and he'll deceive and he'll lie and he'll distort scripture and try to manipulate you to make the wrong choice. But when we stand before God one day and we are accountable to every decision, every action, we can't say the devil made me do it. Because the devil doesn't make you do anything. But he is behind the scenes influencing. And the more you seek after Christ and the more you walk towards Christ and the more you, you develop in your relationship with the Lord, a target gets put on your back. Because the enemy is seeking to destroy the thing that God loves most, and that is his creation. It is you. But thankfully, we have been equipped, number four, to stand against these foes. The Lord has not left us in this fight on our own strength and in our own ability. In fact, these battles cannot be won this way. Spiritual battles require spiritual equipment. And so the Lord provides us with a way that we can stand firm in his mighty power through the armor of God. And so we've talked over a number of weeks about truth, right? That which corresponds to reality, righteousness, right side up living, peace, the peace of God given through uh, to us by God, 
faith, the conviction that God is telling us the truth, that what he says will be will actually be. And salvation, the work of Jesus on the cross, has saved me from sin, is making me more like him, and will free me at the resurrection. These are the defensive pieces of equipment that we need to put on to stand in this struggle. And if you feel like I'm being super repetitive over these weeks by constantly reiterating what we've learned, I'm doing that on purpose so that it gets in you. Because this struggle is not just something we, we talk about in church to make it sound really nice and fun and interesting. It's literally a struggle. It's a fight when you walk out this building and you go into your day-to-day where it's a lot harder to live for Jesus. It's a lot harder to walk in faith. It's a lot harder to choose the right thing because you feel the temptation, you feel the lure, you feel the, the weight, the burden. So I'm repetitive on purpose. If you're like, get on with it, pastor. No. Because I want you to know how to stand firm in his mighty power. Now we move to the offensive pieces of equipment that we actually use to fight back, to strike the opponent. Because we're not in this battle just to take punches, but to defend ourselves differently than the world, but to defend ourselves. There's only two that Paul mentions, the sword of the spirit, which he says is the word of God, and prayer. Specifically, Paul mentions praying the spirit, which I'm going to argue next time is actually the gift of tongues. And that elsewhere where Paul says praying in the spirit is actually referencing tongues, a prayer language given to us to edify our spirits. But given the nature of this struggle, spiritual struggle, There are only two pieces of of weaponry that work most effectively. No other kind of weapon will work. You don't bring a knife to a gunfight, am I right? In In any kind of battle, you need the right weapons. And if you have the wrong weaponry, it almost guarantees defeat or retreat. But the right kind, the right ones, make us formidable opponents. And if we wield these weapons properly... You can take the ground the enemy is trying to steal in your life. If you wield these weapons properly, you will cause the enemy to retreat. And you actually see this in Jesus' example as he went toe-to-toe with the enemy. We actually have, as followers of Jesus, weapons we can use in the fight. That sounds like violent, but it's not of this world. It's different kind of weapons. Now, one final reminder is the scriptures say that we put on the full armor of God, not just pieces, okay? You don't like lock your front door and leave your window wide open because the enemy will find a way in. I, I can't take up the sword of the spirit and not put, put on faith because if I try to strike with the sword, but I don't have faith, I'll likely fall. He'll find a way in. If I try to strike with the word, but I don't have right conduct, I'm going to fall. If I try to, try to bring up scripture, but I'm not walking in truth, I will fall. So many of us, I think we wonder why we're not gaining ground in our faith. We're struggling with the hardship, with the sin. We just can't overcome, yet the Bible says we're overcomers. What piece of equipment do you not have on? What piece are you not wearing? Paul doesn't say, hey, take up the shield and only the shield because that's the best one. He doesn't doesn't say after this, I didn't read in my Bible. If it's in your Bible, I don't think you got a right Bible. But I don't read this in mind where after he says this, he's like, just in case you can only choose one, this is the one you choose. (laughs) That's not there. He says, put on the full armor, 
period. End of discussion. So he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I brought my sword today. I know what you're thinking. That's a lightsaber. Yes, it is. Light saber. Get it? Jesus is the light. You're the light of the world. Mine's apparently going out. So I did not have with me, um, I did not have a, a, a Roman sword that I, that I wanted to use. And I thought, you know what, I could bring that and you'd be like, oh, that looks really cool, but that will not be as memorable as the day that I busted out a lightsaber and went, it's more effective when you make the sounds. Boom. It's fun, isn't it? So you're going to remember now. The light saber. That's such a dad joke, eh? Jeez. The Roman sword was used to attack. It was used to strike opponents. And if you notice, Paul clarifies exactly what the sword is. He wants clarity to his readers. He doesn't want us to be mistaken with the kind of sword that this is. He says the sword is the word of God. Notice that. There's an extra little tagline on this. The sword of the spirit. He says, guys, this is the word of God. He doesn't want us to get confused. The sword of the spirit is the scriptures. The sword of the spirit to Paul is the words that God speaks. It's the words that the Holy Spirit speaks. It's the word that the word made flesh, Jesus, speaks. In the last book of the scriptures, Revelation, John gives us a a picture, an image of the risen Jesus who sits on a throne. And in chapter one, it has him standing in the midst of the seven churches. And it says, out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. It's not an actual sword, people. Like if you're taking that literally, it's allegorical, right? Sorry, it's apocalyptic literature. It's meant to give you an image to illustrate a point. It's not like Jesus actually have a swords coming out of his mouth. He's not like a magician. Well, he could be. Maybe he's got some tricks. In chapter 19, Jesus comes riding on a horse, and John says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword. The weapon that Jesus uses is authority and power in his speech. And it not only informs, it's not just to give you information, it performs. Things happen when God speaks. Let there be light. And there was light on the earth. Come out of him and the demon fleed. Get up and walk. And the lame man got up and he took his mat and he walked. Be still. And a storm stopped, like a physical storm. You ever tried that? I can't do that. I don't have that kind of authority in my speech. But he does. You know that our words are powerful. Our words can heal and they can hurt. Our words can build someone up and they can tear someone down. How much more the words of the one who spoke all things into being, who holds all things together. When God speaks, things happen. And when God's people speak God's word, things happen. When God's people speak God's word, Things happen. He reminds us in Jeremiah that he watches over his word to to be sure that it is fulfilled. 
To Isaiah, he says that he makes sure his word will not return empty. The writer of Hebrews, let's land here, says this in Hebrews chapter 4, for the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. You bring a sword to this spiritual battle. You bring a weapon of warfare that is designed for the physical. You bring a weapon of this world. It will not work. But this sword is sharper than any two-edged sword. He says it penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is alive. It's able to penetrate any form of darkness, any bondage, the spoken word of God, any defenses raised against the knowledge of God. The word of God is sufficient to break through lies about God and what God is like. Any lies about who we are, what it means to be human. Take up the sword, Paul says. Speak the word of God and see what happens. Speak the word of God and see what happens. Something always happens. And maybe not immediately, maybe not in the visible, but something always happens when God's people speak God's word. Now, the typical Roman sword was not this long, cumbersome, two-handed sword. It was a short-bladed, one-handed weapon used for close combat, easy to draw and quick in combat. Unlike the arrow and the, and the sling and the javelin and the spear, this sword was used when, when infantry clashed in battle. It's the heart of the battle. The word of God is a weapon to be spoken when we find ourselves in close combat with our spiritual enemy. When the pressure is on, when the heat is turned up, when the temptation comes, that is when we speak the word of God. When we're feeling the weight of spiritual warfare, that is when we speak the word of God. When we're feeling the struggle, that is when we take up the sword and we speak his word. And this is what Jesus did. This is the example Jesus left for us. When we find ourselves in struggle, when we find ourselves facing opposition, when we find ourselves in the heat of battle, we use not a weapon of the world, we use the word. When he found himself in, in a battle with the devil in the wilderness, three times the enemy tempted him, and three times he doesn't say, mm, nope. He says, it is written. He uses scripture because he knows that it wields power. He didn't hum and haw over what the enemy was saying, like, oh, let me think about that one. I don't know. He didn't contemplate. He didn't, he didn't wonder if should I, should I not? Jesus just, just spoke scripture immediately because this, this is a close combat fight. This is not just a war where they're strategizing and they're back and they're, they're seeing. This is, this is a fight. And if you don't take up the weapon, the enemy's coming at you. And so we get this image of Jesus in the wilderness. He hasn't been eating for 40 days. Like, I don't know if you have fasted for any length of time, but there comes a point where it is really difficult, and you're like, I don't know if I can do this, and you start getting him. You know, you're just, you're just ready to give up. That's the position he's in. And the enemy comes, he tries to tempt him and deceive him and manipulate him. He's in a fight. And so what's he do? He takes up the sword. He says, this is, it is written. And the first temptation, he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Memorize that next time you're in a fast and it's a struggle and you want to give up, but you want to continue at the same time. And the second, the devil tries to use the word against Jesus. He tries to manipulate Scripture. He said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And notice again, Jesus doesn't consider what he says. He strikes back, speaks the word. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He actually used scripture to interpret scripture, right? The final temptation, the devil offers him all the kingdoms of this world in exchange for worship. You can have everything. You just got to worship me. And I love this first little line of Jesus. Before he even hits the scripture, he goes, away from me, Satan. He puts his foot down. Get away. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And when Jesus resisted the enemy by speaking the word of God, it says that the enemy left him. He fleed. He retreated. He lost the fight. He lost the scrimmage match. The devil kept pushing, but Jesus kept speaking the word of God, and the devil ran. Later on in the scriptures, James talks about resist the devil, and he will flee. Resist him. How? Speak the word of God. The devil knows the word, and he knows that he cannot overcome those who know the word and speak it out. Because when God's people speak God's word, things happen. If you don't remember anything, remember that. When God's people speak God's word, things happen. We see Jesus speaking the word when the religious elites of his day began to oppose him. Many times he would say, it is written, or have you not heard? And then he quotes scripture. See, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is spiritual. And so Paul reminds us that we need to speak God's word in order to fight this enemy and fight back. But I think one of the issues for the church today when facing temptation, by church I mean Parkway is included in that, the church across Canada, I'll speak at least, the Western church. One of the problems the church faces today is when we face temptation, when we face difficulty, when we're in the spiritual struggle and we see the attack and we see the deception and the day of evil and the enemies come at us and the spiritual forces of darkness are there and the devil himself is there, is we don't know the word. We don't know the scriptures. It's not in us. If somebody said it, we go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But it's not in us to speak it out. We're encouraged by it when it's spoken from the pulpit, challenged by it. Maybe we're in a Bible study, we watch a short little clip, and then we talk about we're, you know, that lifts us up, builds us up. That's all good stuff. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You know, maybe you're scrolling, you know, whatever your social media platform of choice is, and you see, you know, you follow a group and it's all, you know, pictures of scriptures. You're like, yeah, that's a good one. So you share it to your wall. That's good. Hey, do that. But that doesn't necessarily get it in you. If you watch any sports team, why do they practice and run through drill after drill after drill after drill after drill? Monotonous times. Because it becomes muscle memory for them. So that when they're in the actual game, they know, their body knows exactly what to do. They don't even think about it. It just happens. 
They know how to do the layup. They know how to run. They know who to pass to. They know what they're looking for. It just happens. Any boxers are the same. I'm looking at you, James. You're right in front of me. I was seeing you there, right, Jamie. It's the same. You're, you're constantly training so that when you're in the fight, you know exactly what to do. Do you know what Christians do today? We do not train for the fight. We don't. This is not training for the fight. This is me challenging you and encouraging you. You train for the fight when you go home and you get into the Word and you soak in it. And you read and you read and you repeat and you memorize the Scripture. And not just go through the devotional list so you can check it off, which is good. I believe in that. you got to do that. But I mean memorize it so that it's in you so that you can speak it out. And listen, I'm not the guy that's going to say you got to get the reference because if you don't get the reference, the devil's going to go, well, you don't know where that is in the Bible. I don't see Jesus referencing. He's not going in Isaiah, in Isaiah's scroll halfway through the scroll because they didn't have the chapters and the verses. If you, if you rolled the scroll three times, you would come to this part, and this part would say. He, didn't, he doesn't do that. He just speaks out. And you see a lot, of the, a lot of the New Testament writers, when they quote the Old Testament, they paraphrase, right? Because it's just in them. They just know it. And if, you, if you're living today and you look at all the different Bible translations, we got NIV, we got ESV, we got NASB, we got all sorts of Bs and, and so on and so forth. All the letters of the alphabet are there. If you open up that YouVersion Bible app and you look at all the different versions, there's lots of different versions. Some of them you should stay away from. If you need some help, like stay away from some of those because they're just so far gone that they're not even a paraphrase anymore. They're not even like, it's just gone. <laughs> but there's so many different kinds, so many different ways to say the sentence but you need to get it in you in order to speak it out. And if it's not in you, when you find yourself in the temptation, you won't be able to speak it out to overcome the temptation, to see the enemy flee. And you will likely fall victim to the temptation, to the deception, to the lie. Why do so many people turn from faith and fall into the patterns of this world? Because we're not in the word. This is not being in the word. This is being in the building, gathering with the church to be encouraged or challenged or yelled at by a preacher with a lightsaber. <laughs> that was cool, eh? Makes me seem fancy. We don't know the Word of God to speak the Word of God. Let me ask you a question. I just want you to think about when was the last time you tried to memorize a scripture? Like we want our kids to, right? We put the kids in kids' church, camp, and they're always memorizing scripture. But do we? Well, it's important for them. I hear this all the time from parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, guardians of their children. I want my child. It's almost like it's important for my kid, but not for me. It's more important for you because your kid is going to take the behavior that you live. They're going to model and pattern their life after your life. Not just the Sunday schools, teachers, the kids' church leaders, like those are important and they will be influential. I'm not saying that. The most influential person on a kid's life is you. And so if you think that your kids need to be in church, you need to be in church way more than your kids. If you think your kids need to learn the word, you need to learn it way more than they, they do. I was reminded of the story of Joshua. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. A story of Moses. Moses' successor. Moses is dead now. And Joshua's about to lead the Israelites into the promised land out of the wilderness. It meant war. It meant conquering enemies. It meant overcoming kingdoms, physical bloodshed. 
the pressure, I don't know if you think about this, the pressure to lead a nation like that would have been enormous. You're the guy now, Joshua. People are looking at you. Think of the spiritual target on, on his back, right? And the Lord spoke to Joshua, and he has both an encouragement and a charge for him. The current encouragement is this, hey, be strong and courageous because I'm with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? If you read Joshua 1, you'll see God repeat that over and over again. There's this, this kind of encouragement, and it's so good. It's such a good encouragement. It's a good encouragement for us when we find ourselves in difficult times. Hey, hey, be strong, be courageous. The Lord is with you. But then he has a challenge for Joshua. The challenge is this. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Like the words I spoke. He's like, be careful to obey the words I have spoke. And then he says this. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You got a new mantle on your shoulders, Joshua. You got a big task ahead of you, war. And God doesn't say, hey, go and strategize with the generals. Make sure you have a good plan. I'll give you some wisdom in that. Probably did anyway. But that's not the first thing he says. Right? He didn't say, hey, go lead the armies through some sword drills because you know, there's going to be some bloodshed and you want to spare as many of their lives as possible. No, what, is, what does he say to him? He says, meditate on the word day and night. Then you'll be successful. Keep it on your lips. Then you'll be successful. That is the challenge he has for him. Why? Because that's how you overcome spiritual powers. And this is a spiritual battle. Yes, Joshua, there is a nation with giant walls, city of Jericho right before you. You're going to have to take them on right away. But that is a spiritual battle more than it is a physical battle. And you want to overcome the physical battle, you need to overcome the spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle is not fought with these weapons. It's fought with spiritual weapons, the Word of God. So be careful to obey everything I've commanded you, says, and let it be always on your lips and meditate on day and night. Why? So it's in you. And when you find yourself challenged or feeling the pressure, you can speak it out and watch what happens. Then you will be successful, he says. Then you will be prosperous. And if you look at all of the journey of, of the Old Testament scriptures, those conquering texts, Kings trying to fight in battle. God never says, hey, listen, you guys need to train a little harder. Go to the gym, pump some iron because your, your army's a little weak. No, he says, have faith in me, trust in me, lean on me, obey my commands. Then I'll take care of the battle. So why are we trying to fight spiritual battles without a spiritual weapon? Why are we calling ourselves wielders of the word when we never wield the word? Why do we put so much importance on this, on this book, but we never pick it up? Oh, yeah, I believe in the scriptures. Well, what's in it? Mm, my pastor knows. My, you would probably know a lot. I'm just getting really passionate and excited right now. If you're new, God bless you. Meditate on it, he says. When you and I know the word of God and speak the word of God, that is when the power of God moves. When we speak the word of God in our prayers, when we announce and share the gospel, the good news with others, we're speaking it and announcing it to the principalities and powers of darkness. They hear it. 
when, when disciples gather and they open up the word, maybe in a Bible study, life group, and they share the word of God and they speak it. We are hearing it, but so are the invisible forces. And this is why the spiritual enemy, this is why these demonic forces, this is why the devil will do anything he can to keep you out of this book. So what do we do? Oh, I've had a long day. I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> How many of you, myself included, will get to it tomorrow? And tomorrow comes, we'll get to it tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll get up early. Tomorrow I'll get into it. Oh, I should really get in there, but I'm tired. I just want to click, mindless scroll on Netflix or Prime Video, whatever it is. And you can't ever, and then you spend 45 minutes just trying to find something. You ever done that? It's been so long just trying. There's like oodles of things you can watch, but you just can't find anything to watch. That's 45 minutes of your time. You could, you could have been in the Word. Because he'll do whatever it takes because he, know there, he knows, the enemy knows there is power in the Word of God. And he knows that when the Word of God gets in you and you start speaking the Word of God, that he's lost. Imagine... Imagine a Roman soldier went into battle without the sword. He had, he had the belt on, he had the breastplate on, he had the helmet, he had all the gear, but he had no weaponry. Like, that's foolish, right? It's foolish. We do that, though. Imagine, imagine he, as a Roman soldier, he went to, the, to train with a sword. And they showed them all the different kinds of swords they got. This one's really sharp. This one's two-edged. Two, two right? This one's short. This one's good for when they come close. Hey, this one's long, you know. When you get really strong, you can hold this one up. Hey, this one, only King Arthur's been able to pull out this rock, you know. And they just show them all the different swords, and they, they walk through a lecture. They got some nice slides going down, you know. But then they go into battle without the sword. That's the equivalent to what Christians do today. We go and we learn about it. We hear about it. We don't wield it. We don't wield it. We need to memorize the word. So what does that look like? Here's what Joshua, God said to Joshua. Meditate on it day and night. It's a simple thing. Read it. Think about it. Speak it and repeat. Repetition over time. It's part of the reason why we have a main text that we've repeated every Sunday for the last six weeks. Right? Ephesians chapter 6. For our battle is not against flesh and blood. There, sinew. Right? So here's my challenge, very practical challenge for us today. What if you started to memorize God's word? Like, oh, that's a lot of work. It is not a lot of work. Let me show you. Take a verse, any verse. I would say take a verse that speaks to your spiritual struggle. Write it down with a, with a pen because it's just going to help you retain a little more as you write it down. Then read it 10 times. And then try to say it 10 times without reading it. Maybe you got to glance down a little bit. And then stop. And then the next day, pick it up, do the same. Same verse, same verse. Do that until it's in you. 
If you, if you did one scripture a month, that's 12 verses a year. I believe, I'm going to guess, but I would believe you'd be ahead of most Christians today, at least in the Western world. One scripture. If you took, if you took one scripture and you read that scripture every single day, 10 times, and you spoke it out 10 times, and that is the only scripture you read for a month, I guarantee you by the end of that month, you will be further in your faith than if you just read a devotional book every day. You might be encouraged by the devotional book. It might help you in the moment. God will speak to you in that. I'm not saying he won't speak to you, but now the word of God is in you. You tracking with me? If you did one verse a week, seven days, let's, let's even give you a break day, okay? Six days. Did that method. 52 verses a year. Now, you might forget some of those 52 verses. Let's say out of 52, at the end of the year, you forget 10. 42 verses. Let's say you forget 20. 32 verses are in you. And the cool thing about how our memory works is stuff that we learn gets in there. We just don't know how to access it sometimes. But the beautiful thing is that you, as a follower of Jesus, have the Spirit of God in you. So now the Word of God is in your brain somewhere. Spirit of God can help you recall it to mind when you need it most. If you look at Genesis, what is the Spirit of God doing before God spoke words? It says he's hovering over the waters. And then God spoke. And when God's Word collided with the power of God, the Spirit of God, that is when creation happened. So there is power in a person who is indwelt with the Spirit of God and who speaks the Word of God out. Take a verse. If you take one verse for two months, and that's six verses at the end of the year, and you've never done that before, you are ahead of where you were before. Paul says to young Timothy, he says, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. So here's what I want to do. I want you to stand to your feet. Team's going to lead us powerfully in a song in a moment. But I want us to speak out the word of God. So I need you to shout to me a scripture you have memorized. Somebody else, shout out. stuff. Come on. Keep going. Yeah. Come on. We're not the only ones hearing this right now. Never leave you now for sake. There's another one over here. Yeah. Yes. Keep going. Yes. Keep going. Keep going. 
Yes. Yes. That's great. No, but it's in you. That's right. Paraphrase if you have to. Yes. Come on. That's right. That's right. Amen. Yes. Come on. Yes. 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 Come on. There we go. Let's say it louder so everybody can hear. Come on. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 Come on. This is good. Yes. Speak it out. We're... Amen. Yes. Green pastures. Green grass. Green growth. Yes. Yes. Amen. Somebody's in here. You got a verse in you. You're afraid to share it. Share it. Speak it out. Because if you can't do it in a room full of people who want to speak out the word of God, it's going to be harder to do it out there. Come on, get some boldness. Speak it out. Even if you're paraphrasing. Come on. Yes. Yes. Love it. Awesome. Yes. I love that one. Good. We are speaking. We are wielding the word. Come on. Yes. Amen. This is good. Let's be the church. Speak it out. Yes. But it's in you. Yes. It says, come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my oak is easy and my burden is light. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Come on. When... Yes. 
Yes. This is good. Mm. Yeah. So good, church. So you are not the only ones that are hearing right now. But let me just pause there for a second. Everybody in this room is hearing right now. And that is doing something. Because when we speak out the word of God, things happen. Spiritual things happen. And maybe we can't see the change. Or we don't see it as quickly as I like. But things happen. Hearts are stirred. People are convicted. The Lord speaks. And when you spoke that out, someone on the other side of the room needed to hear that. And when you spoke that out, someone over here needed to hear that. Because he watches over his word to see that it's fulfilled that it will not return empty. So any word of God that is spoken out loud is not just done in vain, but it has purpose and reason. It does things. And we are not the only ones that heard it, but the invisible forces heard it. And probably, I'm going to guess, that today more than any other day, because we spoke it out. I know I'm, my voice is really excited right now. Yours was a little bit more solemn for some of you. But today, out of every other day, we probably put more pressure on the enemy who is working against this church than any other day. Why? Because we spoke out the Word of God. Like, know that. Yeah, people aren't being slain in the Spirit, and, you know, we're, you're not hearing this prophetic word over here necessarily, and the roof's definitely not being torn open. Right? We're not seeing people here, but we're speaking the word of God, and that makes the enemy quiver because he knows that that is the one weapon used against him, that in prayer, that he cannot push against. And if we keep speaking out the word, just like Jesus gave us that example, he flees. Resist the devil, and he will flee. He doesn't just get flee from, from a face shield and right living. He's going to keep trying to attack that. He sees it, and he wants to attack it. He wants to demolish your faith. And he wants you to live in a way that is contrary to the Word of God. And he wants to manipulate your truth. But that doesn't push him back, necessarily, so much that a sword does. When I speak out a scripture, 
So when you're in a spiritual battle, let's say you have a family member that is far from God or involved in something and you don't know how to pray, just speak out the scripture. I heard someone this morning when we were worshiping, just singing Jesus, 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 just his name. Jesus, it was almost, it's almost like there was no other words that can be spoke but his name. I heard a, a story once of a pastor, and I know we're getting a little long-winded, but I heard a story one day of a pastor who felt like in his room one day as he woke up, spiritual warfare so heavy on him that he could not physically move. Like the spiritual warfare didn't manifest itself in like a deceptive lie for him or, you know, a struggle with a person, a coworker at work. Like it was physical pressure on his body and he could not speak anything except for the name of Jesus. And when he spoke the name of Jesus, the enemy fleed and he was relieved. How do you fight against the spiritual enemy with spiritual weapons of warfare? And you will be a stronger soldier in the kingdom of God, the more of this that gets in you. And you will succumb to the enemy's attacks if you do not wield this. You say, well, I don't know many. Pick one. Say it every day. Pick one. Even if, it's, even, even if you're like, this is the only one I know, but I'm going to speak it out. The de- that devil's coming against you. You feel, you feel temptation. I don't know the one I need, but I know this one. Because the, the word of God is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It can penetrate to the deepest parts of who we are. You notice that it said joints and marrow in there too? So what does that tell us? Someone's sick? Speak the word of God on them. Someone needs healing? Speak the word of God on them. Come on, somebody. You with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, for your truth. We thank you for the scriptures that you gave us a weapon to fight with. And I pray that our hearts would be stirred in such a manner, in such a degree, that when we leave, that we would be hungry and thirsty for the word of God. So put that thirst in us. Put that thirst in us to get your word in us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, we need to celebrate this morning because the enemy is fleeing. I sense it in my spirit. He's retreating. So you're ready to work. Could you just raise your hands? You just raise your hands and begin to worship him. Use your voices. Speak out the word of God. Speak that scripture you spoke out. Jesus. Jesus. Come on. Come on, church. Hallelujah, God. You must increase, Lord. We must become less. Come on. Increase his name in this place. Come on. Use your voices. Come on. Nice and loud. If you don't know what to say, just say his name out loud. Jesus. The scriptures declare there's power in his name. Jesus. church. Worship him. Just lift him up. 
Press into his presence. Press into the word of God, which is Jesus, the word made flesh. Lord, we press into you. Come on. We press into your presence. We worship you. You are worthy, God, of our worship. You are all things, and in you all things hold together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I'm going to present this in a way that it presents to the invisible forces the preeminency of Christ. And I need you to work. If you believe in Jesus, I need you to just declare, the belief, like believe with me in this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of this body, the church. He is head of Parkway Church. He is the beginning, and he is the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to let the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all all things, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Listen to this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard. And this has been proclaimed to every creature in under heaven, of which I, Paul says, and I will say, call, and Parkway Church will say, we have become a servant. Amen? Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.